0: And last week, we, we entered into the, the series and we just said something very simple. We just made a case for, for this. And this is the case we made last week, and hopefully you caught it, is that we're all scarred to one degree or another. And the scars that we endure in life remind us that we are in need of help. And that help often is found beyond ourselves. That they're very difficult to reconcile those hurts on our own, and this week we're gonna we're gonna continue with the series. And we're, we're, and, and and listen, I want I want to thank yeah I, I need I need to say this right up front. I need to thank everybody that has communicated with me in the last week over this series. Like I, 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 there there have been few series that I've done um, that that has had the amount of response from the very first message that I've had this week. It's been really interesting, and, and a lot of people telling me their stories, emails, phone calls, you, you name it. I've just been overwhelmed by, by a lot of this. And, uh, and, and just to let you know, um, today we're going to stay on the negative side, the scars, okay? We are going to move into the positive side of scars, because that's where many of you wanted to go, Okay? But it's very important that we stay on this uh, for this just one more week and be able to do that. How many of you have heard the statement, hurt people hurt people? How many of you have heard it? Right? What does that tell us? Okay. It tells us that we live in, in a humanity that, that continues to cycle through and cycle through and cycle through and cycle through. And cycle through and cycle through. Almost every one of us have, have been a victim to something like that. Almost every one of us has, has experienced something like that. Almost every one of us can say, um, you know, uh, there, there has been something that has happened to me in my life that has scarred me. Um, and, and we've all experienced um, being hurt by somebody and, and finding out later that they were hurt at some point, too. And the reaction and and the response you got was, was really generated out of that hurt. And for many of us, we live in that place. Um, for many of us, if, if it comes to a certain type of relationship, you know, we're 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 very, very cautious and and and, 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 and we come across as as being abrupt or we can come across as not being you know very kind. But but the but the reality is is we're protecting ourselves because we've been hurt in that area. And it's and it's a common and, and in fact this whole business of scars, this whole thing that we carry amongst ourselves, it's like humanity's dirty little secret, isn't it? It's like humanity's dirty little secret. And we all carry those and we all And and, and you know what? When it comes to this cycle of, you know, uh, hurt people, hurt people, this is the amazing thing about being a Christian. Is whatever cycle, whatever cycle we're caught up in, being a Christian and coming to faith in Jesus Christ means that at some point we are called to break that cycle. We are called to break that cycle. That's where we get... That's where you get those powerful words like reconciliation, like redemption, like forgiveness. Um, you know, the, the, whole, the whole business of what the Christian faith talks about when it talks about love and, and reaching out to others and, 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 and trying to break the cycle that says hurt people hurt people. Okay? Because hurt people are often very good people but they can do some very terrible things because of their hurt, right? So, um, but, but we're going to stay on the negative side, okay? So just, just bear with me with all this. And next week we move into, you know, the redemption of scars, the forgiveness, and, 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 and how God, and here's the thing, how God takes the scars that we have, redeems them, doesn't necessarily get rid of them, but transforms them in, in an amazing way. And what was unbearable before now becomes bearable and now becomes a powerful example of, of, of God and what He can do in your life. Okay, so that's what we're gonna talk about. And here's and here's here's where we're gonna go today. Our scars, our scars are a powerful reminder of the worst that humanity and life can offer. Is that not true? That our scars are a painful reminder of the very worst that life and humanity can offer. And often, when we talk about the the pains of scars, we we, we can all categorize our particular scars in certain areas and, and in certain places and, uh, you know, we're going to continue looking at Isaiah 53, because I'm so intrigued by the power of that passage. Because, you know, let's understand something. Here's the prophet Isaiah, 700 years or so before Jesus even arrives. And he's talking about a Savior. He's talking about a Messiah. He's talking about this person, this suff- the servant, if I want to put it in that, in that context first, about this powerful individual who's going to be in- in- empowered by God himself, To come and to do something for the entire world, not just the nation of Israel, and to speak in such a way, and to heal in such a way, and to be the goodness of God, to be the ultimate expression of love, to be the ultimate expression of God's care and compassion for His creation, to come and to do this for the benefit of His creation, and yet to suffer, to be humiliated, to be rejected. Which is why I say our scars are a powerful reminder of the worst that life and humanity can throw at us. And one of the worst scars that we bear is the scars of rejection. Right. So as we look at Isaiah 53, I want to put this passage up here. I want to read it and look at some of the wording here. Who has believed our message, Isaiah writes... To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. Twice the, words, the word despised is used in that passage. And the passage moves from Isaiah saying, who's going to believe this? Who's who's going to believe our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm to? And the the people, the nation of Israel who are are called, who are are brought up as, as people of God? the very people who should have maybe understood or has a sensitivity to, to a, a servant who would suffer on their behalf and, and, and be something for the, the whole world that they themselves should have demonstrated? Isaiah says, who's going who's to understand this? Who's going to believe this? Who's going to be touched by this? And what difference is it going to Make. Now, here's the interesting thing. Some 700 years before Jesus came, Isaiah just nails this, this beautiful thing about Jesus. The, and here are three reasons he gives about why Jesus is rejected. Number one is this. Here's the pain of rejection. He arrives in a quiet and unassuming way. He grew, grows up as a tender shoot before God. Whatever it is about the suffering servant that comes, it's quiet, it's unassuming. It's not like what we would have expected for someone who is the sovereign of the universe. It's an incredibly powerful uh, uh, witness to how God will just challenge the way we have preconceptions about him. And, we, you know, and, and the incarnation, and, and to, be, you know, to be brought into the world as a baby in a manger, who would have ever guessed that? so unassuming, so helpless, that here is God entrusting himself to a teenage girl. For some 400 years, the the, the Old Testament canon, when it ended, it it was like, in in, in the Jewish mindset, there was a 400-year silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. When God finally decided to speak, When God finally decided to reveal himself, when God finally decided to to say whatever plan that is in place, we're going to start it and restart it now, God sends his angel to speak to a teenage girl. And the plan of redemption, ultimate redemption, begins there. It's amazing. He comes in a quiet and unassuming way. And when we talk about God and when we talk about what we would imagine and the power and the glory and the majesty of God, it's not the way we would have expected him to come. And how many of us would have rejected a baby out of hand who would have said to us, this is God incarnate, and we said, no way, it can't be. It's too helpless. It's not what I wanted. It's not what I would have expected. It can't be. Here's the second one, and this is a bit troubling. His appearance is nothing extraordinary. How many of you love a beautiful Jesus? Okay, but beautiful in a different way, right? Okay, we may, you know, we may be shocked if we really saw the picture of what Jesus looked like. And is it amazing that we we paint Jesus in so many different ways? But Isaiah tells us very clearly, there's nothing about Jesus that would have said Hollywood at all. Nothing about glamour. Nothing about, you know, right? Anything that would, that would attract us in, 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 a, in a way because of his appearance, right? The, charis, the charisma of Jesus was the empowerment of the Spirit of God and the, and the power that he had in what he communicated And what he did in touching people in a real way. But nothing extraordinary. Isn't it amazing that we would would reject people. We would reject people because of how they look. Are we guilty of that? We would reject someone because they don't measure up. We would reject someone based on height, weight, color. All those kinds of things, right? But there's nothing extraordinary about his appearance. I, I think that's an that's that amazing part of that passage. Because the Bible rarely, rarely, by the way, when the Bible makes those kinds of statements, they're very important to take note of. The Bible never says, it was a cold, rainy night, right? When the Bible makes a little mention about something, about appearance, For instance, Joseph was handsome, you know that something's going to happen based on Joseph being handsome, right? Things like that. The very, very important little cues in, in the text that tell you something very, very important. That God is doing everything in an unexpected way. To reach every single human being at a level where we can't make excuses, we can't, we, can't, we can't frame it in a certain way that says, ah, he wasn't good looking enough for me. You know, he wasn't charismatic enough for me. Or, or he came, uh, you know, in, 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 in all power and majesty and glory. And, and you know what? I can't relate to that. There's isn't a single human being on the planet that can't say in one way or another, this belongs to me because this speaks to me. Because I, I understand that. I understand that. And here's the other third part, that he takes upon himself. He takes upon himself pain and suffering. He takes upon himself pain and suffering. This is a willing part of his life. Something that that is very hard for us to understand. Here's the greatest expression of God's love to the world. It could have come in so many different ways. It could have happened in so many different, you know, contexts. And yet came to willingly suffer the way we suffer. To willingly bear scars that we bear. You know how how many of us are lost for words when we hear of something that's happened to somebody but we're we're not sure you know, and we always get accused of saying something really dumb, oh, well, that was God's plan for their life, you know or something or something like that. The reality is we say dumb things because we really don't know what to say, and we're struck by it, and we want to be sympathetic, we want to reach out, but we just it's hard to find words sometimes, and, 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 and I'll never forget the story about the, the you know the little boy who, who uh, had a neighbor, an elderly neighbor who had lost his wife, and, and and the little boy came back from visiting the elderly man, and the father said, well, you know, what did you guys talk about? He was really shocked that his little little son went to this old man's home to, to console him, and the little boy said, I did. I said absolutely nothing. All I did was climb onto his lap and cry with him. Not a single word. But it meant the world, right? It meant the world. And also, you know, it also reminds us of our own vulnerability. Isn't isn't that true? You know, all of us, all of us, you know, we we hear the scars of others. And it draws us in, in many ways, to our own vulnerability. How many times have, 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 we, have we said, Oh, I can, I can relate to that. I can empathize with that. It's amazing the connection you feel with another human being, the minute you find out they've suffered something very deep like you have. Isn't it amazing? The the connection you have automatically, and you could be from totally different parts of the world, but you, you suffer a tragedy together, there's something that binds you together in a way almost nothing else can. Like nothing else can. You see, there is no scar in your life that you've experienced that Jesus hasn't experienced as well. There isn't a single scar in your life that you've experienced that Jesus has not experienced as well. I want to read that last verse again. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. I, I, you know, I, Isaiah even talks about the incredible... Reaction that people are going to have to the suffering of Jesus. Um, we turned our backs on him. We, turned, we ignored it. How many people ignored it? Didn't even want to know it was happening by turning their backs on him. And the second thing is, we didn't even want to think about it. We looked the other way there is just something about this that happens that reminds us of our own vulnerability, reminds us of our own scars. We don't know how to deal with it. We don't know what to do about it. And yet in the privacy of our own hearts, we know we've been touched deeply because Jesus was willing to go to the place that we don't like unveiling about ourselves. Here's the point. God himself has felt what we feel. God himself. Isn't that amazing? That God, all his power, you know, and and, and we love as as, as theologians to rack up the big, you know, $100 words about God and and his providence and sovereignty and omniscience and omnipresent and all those wonderful things. And to think that a person, a, a God of such power, was willing to suffer for us. God himself felt what we felt. He chose not to stay completely other. He got down at eye level. God experienced what it's like to be tired, what it's like to be discouraged. He knows what it's like to hurt, to bleed. Even on the cross, Jesus himself prayed a psalm of lament. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, you know, in the Jewish mindset, when he, started, when he started saying that psalm, in all likelihood, he probably repeated the whole psalm. Okay? In, in, the, in the Jewish mindset, they, they acknowledge that when you say the, the opening uh, a, a foray or, or, or section of a psalm, most of them would have repeated the whole thing right then and there. That was an acknowledgement of the whole psalm. Jesus just taking that one statement. In your pain, you may be tempted to say, God has no idea what I'm going through. You have no idea how bad I'm hurting. But God can respond, yes, I do. He can point to your wounds and then he can say, look, look, whatever wounds you have, look at those scars. I have them as well. I have them as well i've entered into your world i know how you feel i have been there i am with you now i care and i can help now those are those are powerful words when they they come from the sovereign of the universe when it comes from your heavenly father i you know that's a beautiful to me that is a beautiful name for god is your heavenly father now, for some of you, 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 you know, that's, that's a scar of yours, just to hear the word Father, right? That's a scar of yours. And it's hard for you to relate to a heavenly Father, right? That's just one example of what we're talking about this morning. Look at this uh, next verse um, from Psalm 34, 18 to 19. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to rescue each time. Wow. A passage that reminds us, you know, you know, God doesn't, you know, put out the roadblocks and stops us from getting into some pretty deep waters. But when we're there, God is the rescuer. Jesus is the rescuer. How many times have our spirits been crushed? We can't imagine going forward. We we talked about that last week. How How many times have you heard people say, after they've endured something, you can't imagine. And they've said, I don't know how I could have managed without God in my life. Without God in my life. That the Lord comes to rescue I come, I, you know, um, we got a son in Australia who's just, who's just leaving to go back to England, and, uh, you know, after one of the times we were talking, a story from Australia actually popped up on the screen, and I got a big kick out of it, so, you know, I thought of the sermon series, and I saved it, and uh, it, it's from a nurse, an Australian nurse who's worked in palliative care for a long time in Australia, and... And she wrote an article saying, what are the five main regrets that people have when they're dying? And I thought, wow, you know, if there's anybody that can get perspective on, 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 on life, you know, what an interesting person to, to be able to do that. And she said it's amazing that for all the people that she's cared for in these last stages of life, she says they all talk about having amazing clarity about life at the very end. She says it, 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 it's, it's remarkable to have amazing clarity at a time when, you know, it, it's it, too bad it didn't happen earlier, you know. But here's the, here, here are the five top things she wrote in this article that I thought were just wonderful. First one was this. I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Wow. I know that's spoken to somebody. I know for a fact it's spoken to somebody here this morning. Health brings a freedom few realize until they no longer have it. How many of us wish we had the courage to live a life true to ourselves, not what others expect of us? Number two, I wish I, I hadn't worked so hard. <laughs> Okay, (laughs) don't go there because the next line is this, is that she's heard that from every single male. There are a number of, of, of women who did it, but every single male had that regret. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Number three, I wish I had the courage to express my true feelings. Hmm. Many, pre, many people suppressed their feelings in order to keep peace with others. Many developed illnesses related to the bitterness and the resentment they carried as a result. Poisoned people are poisoned people, right? Here's number four. I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. Wow. You think that would just be a natural... You know, there are many deep regrets about not giving friendships the time and effort that they really deserved. Everyone misses their friends when they are dying. Number five, I wish I had let myself be happier. I wish I had let myself be happier. How many of you got a grumpy Gus in your family? No? You're not going to admit it right here, right? You're probably sitting right beside you. Um, Yeah. Many... (laughs) My brother's name is Gus. He's going to kill me for that. Anyway. um, Many did not realize... and, And this is interesting. Many did not realize until the very end that happiness was a choice. They had stayed stuck in old patterns... And old habits that continue to spiral them into a state of unhappiness. But happiness is a choice. Top five regrets of people. So, do you have clarity about where you need to, you know? But here again, our scars, our scars. We'll build on this next week. Our scars are a painful reminder of the worst of the worst that life and humanity can deliver. That's, that's, that's humanity's dirty little secret. Okay? We all live with it. We all understand it. We, all, we, we are all shaped in some way or another because of it. But that's the beautiful thing about God. God knows that about, that, about us. God knows that our lives are often shaped by the scars that we bear, not just by ourselves, but by others. But our scars cost us, and they cost others, and they cost Jesus tremendously as well. Because every scar does tell a story. And here's the thing. When humanity and life writes a scar on our heart, it leads to depression, depression. It leads to discouragement, despondency, a life of caution, a life of regret. But when Jesus is allowed, when Jesus is allowed to rewrite our story on our heart, the outcome is far, far different. Those scars become redeemed, and we now live totally different, with a totally different outcome. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's next week's sermon. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. And thank you that you are a God that is not superficial. That, Lord, you know our hearts. You know the world that we live in is racked by sin and separation and and lord we manage our best through life doing what we can and yet we acknowledge lord that for many of us we we are hurt deeply because those scars as we as we have said are a painful reminder of the, of the worst that humanity and life can bring our way. And I thank you, Lord, that you are a God who longs to reach deeply into each and every one of our hearts and to touch us in a way that nothing else in life can. So, Lord, as we close out this morning, I pray that if there's someone here just <coughs> suffering or not knowing next steps, that they would really turn to you That they would come to you in prayer. That they would come to you in humble submission and in reverence. Seeking repentance on their own heart and in their own life. And not allow those scars to determine the direction or the course of their decisions or life any longer. That you, Lord, can change that direction and give them hope, healing, and restoration. Because that's what you long to do. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.